listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. So tell us about the devil. Man. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, you know, my Shout first... Shout out the devil. You know yeah, him, right? Motley Crue. That's right. You know right, him, right? Man. That, that album. <laughs> I, I tried to hide it, that album from my from my mom. And, you know, those were guys, you know, wearing makeup, wigs, whatever, trying to look at a, a persona to sell mm-hmm. records. And they did and all that. But then my real... I remember Dana Carvey on Saturday Night Live and that whether it was bad weather, bad hair day, whatever, everything was blamed on the devil. But then in life, you meet some real church ladies, and it's yeah. like anything that goes wrong, it's like, ah, the devil this, the devil that. Now, look, I have no doubt there's spiritual battles and war and things going on, but what does that really look like? Yeah. And yeah. for me, C.S. Lewis, the screw tape letters, was mm-hmm. an eye-opener, even though it's mm-hmm. fiction. Yeah. But what really hit me um, was when my son came home, having mm-hmm. just read and discussed that book in his freshman high school class, and, he, and this is a school that you don't have to be a Christian to go there. It's a non-covenant Christian school. And so half the classmates are not Christians or claim to be. And the teacher said, given the context of this conversation in Lewis's screw tape letters, how many of you believe in God? Half of them raised their hand. Yeah. He said, how many of you believe in the devil, a literal devil, devil of the Bible and history of the church? No one raised their hand. Then the kids start making fun of, quoting Hollywood movies and things, so, that, so they have an idea of education about the devil, but it's yeah. not biblical. Uh-huh. So then my own son who's <laughs> says to me, dad, you, you know, I know I'm a Christian, you know, we've gone to church. I've trusted in Christ as my Lord and savior, but is there really this, this devil, this evil force and these demons, these minions that are trying to distract me and other Christians from knowing and loving and living for God. And I thought, what, how did, where did I go wrong? How did he miss that? Yeah. You know? And I, so again, I think we take so much for granted. But then you look at the scriptures, which is where I go after the cultural references. It's like, what does it say? Well, on one hand, it's like the devil is this roaring lion waiting for someone mm-hmm. to devour. And I think it's interesting yeah. that that imagery of lion, because it's a counterfeit trying to imitate the original yeah. lion of Judah, yeah. right? Oh, so yeah, deceptive, yeah. so wanting to be mm-hmm. like, like the Lord. But then there's this, Paul says, angel of light. I think in the third world countries, those on the mission field, they don't need convincing there's a spiritual realm and there's evil, yeah, supernatural evil. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. In America, I think it's more of the angel of light, and we're just completely deceived, and we just buy in to things that in and of themselves may not be bad. And we were talking about this earlier. Is it that the devil uses this and causes that? I don't know that it's as much that as the devil exploits the situation. Yeah. So whatever's going on in the culture, you'll see it there, and however you're feeling or reacting, but then it's like poking you with the anger, the frustration, the things that would just really hurt your witness, right? Because yeah. he can't stand Christ or those following him as the body of Christ. And so yeah. I get into this and the, with the scriptures and what the church says about it. And what a lot of people don't realize is in the Catholic church, when someone's baptized, the parents and godparents have to say we renounce Satan and all of his works in evil ways. Now, whether that's just lip service or it's real, it's still part of it. And in the Catholic church today, they still have actual trained exorcists, yeah. okay? And um, I have a friend in Indiana, and evidently she had a neighbor that they thought might have been possessed, and they tried to get in with the priest, and there's like a waiting list of a couple hundred people. And so, but my point is, because of pastoral demand, okay, and I get into this, okay, of course there's drug abuse, there's mental illness, a combination of the two, but then there's a supernatural realm. Yeah. And I think that people, spirit, you know, people are spiritual and they know it. 
you mm-hmm. go to the college party when you're there, mm-hmm. whatever. And people want to talk about spiritual things. Why are Hollywood movies and books bestsellers that focus on angels and demons and that? Because we're fascinated by it. Yeah. Today in America, there are over one million self-professed witches. Yeah. Okay, what is that? Is this real? Is this make-believe? Is this, you know, what is it? And so I just challenge people to just look into this and see what you think. But if you could ask anybody alive, go into a restaurant, you know, get the microphone out, just start asking the questions and say, hey, do you believe there's a supernatural realm? Have you ever had a a supernatural experience? Yeah. Uh And most people are going to go, yeah, well, Aunt Aunt Judy, this angel pulled the car off of her, her husband. And I mean, but there's always something there. There's some story. You live long enough. And you hear about it. Uh-huh. But again, yeah. back to the atheist that doesn't believe in a supernatural realm, a God, a soul, anything like that, they're just going to ignore this or scoff or dismiss the examples. But can they all be bogus? Yeah. Right? No. Yeah. We know some of it's real, but we don't know how to process it. So what I have found, and I kind of conclude with this there, is that in our culture, in society, we either tend to make fun of, belittle, or ignore things that we don't understand, which would be this topic, or want to be true. Right. But as Christians, we need to see what does the Bible say about this? And that's the whole thing. What does the scripture say? It's not just my opinion or my crazy story, but it's you need to see what the scripture reveals. Well, and I I think it kind of transitions to the next chapter as well. Like in terms of, you know, things that are said about the Bible that I feel like there's people that have cornered the market that should have never cornered the market. So I think sometimes we have a really bad understanding of what the Bible says about the devil, mm-hmm. but the other one is hell. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so did you just cuss? Uh, what the hell? Yeah, that's the Todd. chapter title. Okay. <laughs> I remember so, there was a movie growing up called H E double hockey sticks. There you go. That was a Disney movie. I think <laughs> that's Do you right. Remember that? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, when it comes to hell and all on the kind of the realities, uh, one of the things I think is really cool or it's very interesting, like in the business world, uh, there's a guy, Stephen Covey, that kind of coined the term thinking with the end in mind. Yeah. And on some level, like a long time ago, or in my life, I'm 30, but, you know, if you were to go into a church on a Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know, they would talk about hell and heaven, mm-hmm. and but it was almost every sermon to the default, you know? Right. And so kind of tell us, like, how did that, that kind of era shift us to where we are, and how can we recover a, a lot of that biblical understanding? Well, that's why I kind of love history, and I kind of give a history lesson there, and I talk about how during the Great Awakening with Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, how it was part of the vernacular. It was common in the pulpits. People had a biblical framework by which to understand what that term meant. Right. Yeah. But then it got hijacked along the way. Right. And it was this maybe some, you know, fundamentalist Bible thumping uh, pulpit pounding preacher that was trying to scare the hell out of people. Right. If you don't do this or, you know, the Turner burn kind of mentality and that or the street preacher. And it's not that what they were saying was was false or, or non-biblical, but it was the way in which it was conveyed because the gospel doesn't change. But the way in which we mm-hmm. convey it sometimes needs to, yeah. right? And so if you were to just all of a sudden, like, and I asked, you know, I ask people this, well, how, how many of you have actually heard a, an entire sermon about the devil or hell? Most people cannot yeah. answer that in the affirmative. It's just like, well, I haven't. Okay, so if that hasn't happened, that means your idea of the devil or hell probably came from something other than the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, because you didn't, and, and the youth minister doesn't know how to address it. So these are difficult topics. I get it. That's why I felt compelled to not only have these two chapters in particular, but have questions at the end of each chapter in the book, but also suggestions for further reading 
to help that parent or grandparent or youth minister or pastor or whatever just point to something else to say, well, this is what this guy says about it, and it gets into the scriptures and history and all that, but what do we think about it? So it will help people to talk about things that we all think about but seldom hear about yeah, or are scared to ask or don't know where to ask or anything like that. So that's why I got in, you know, to a lot of that. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do in the book is you kind of take the, the little phrase YOLO, you only live once, yeah. which a lot of people, you know, they don't mean anything by it. But I do think it does capture a lot of the way that we think that we only have one life that we're living right. and then we cease to exist. Right. Where you kind of take it and is it, is it YOLF? You, yeah, only live for, you only live forever. You only live forever. Yeah. And you only live forever. And it, God said eternity in our hearts, right? With Ecclesiastes. Yeah. And, and, it's, and we're never satisfied, right? It's because there is that longing. And C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself nothing in this world to which can satisfy my cravings, then it probably means I was made for another world. And I think that's, that's I mean, at the height of success, I remember Tom Brady interview. I talk about this, how at the time he had like three Super Bowls. He's married to a supermodel. He's, you know, great looking guy. He's a stud quarterback. He's million, multimillionaire. And I remember him saying, why is it that I have all this? And I still feel like there's something more. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate his transparency. And I don't have any idea where his faith is now or, yeah. you know, three Super Bowls later or whatever. But I think if we're all honest, there is this craving or longing for something more. And sadly, it's that funeral the first funeral or whatever, when we're when the, the reality of our own mortality comes into focus and it starts to press its case. Yeah. And I told you this over lunch. Um, one of my best friends, 45 years old, diagnosed with cancer a year ago. Has a wife, doesn't have gray hair. You know, she's a widow now. He's got three, three young kids. And the last time I saw him was a month ago. We went to eat lunch at his favorite restaurant. And I look across the table from him and you know, there were tears and didn't know what to say and all that. And he started talking about my book. And he said, you know, the chapter in that book that I'm probably the most glad you wrote, especially because you're talking to someone who literally is standing on the edge of eternity. And I know this will be the last time I see you, this side of it. He said, it's the chapter on hell. And I said, why? That's the one that's harsh and people think whatever. And he said, because if it's real and it is eternal, he said, if you really loved me, and my sin separated me from God, and I would spend eternity apart from God with no hope, and that really is hell, whatever you want to metaphor yeah. you want to use. He said, the most loving thing you could do is meet me where I'm at, be honest with me, and just say, this is what the Bible has taught in Jesus' address. And if he didn't care about it, if it wasn't real, why did he warn people about it so often? Yeah. And that was really affirming to me to just know that, look, I know there's a lot more to this life than heaven and hell, yeah. but not in eternity. Yeah, it's one or the other. So I, I, I do think so. Your story, uh, man, about your friend, I think that opens up to just a very practical conversation of you know, let's say somebody's listening to this, they don't know God, or they're living really in a way in which even though they might say that they know God, they they really don't practically. Mm-hmm. Right. And and your last chapter really deals with just starting the communication with God and how do you do that? And you start talking about prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Prayer is talking to God. It's communicating with God. It's listening to God. It's fellowship with God. And it's, it's real simple, but it can become real complex and we can screw it up or get legalistic on either side yeah. really fast. I mean, I love listening to children pray, little yeah. kids, because it's just oh, yeah. so honest and real. And I think yeah. we can learn a lot from that. And yet yeah. having the structure, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry yeah. to jump in. Yeah, no, I just, ahead. I mean, I, as a youth pastor, I've observed all of as a minister, I've reserved like you've got the people that want to like 
say, you know, daddy instead of, you know, you know, God or father or whatever. Yeah. But then you've got the other people that are like, you know, quoting scripture back to God and stuff like that, you know? Right. And, and somewhere in the middle is where I hear my kids praying. Yeah. And, and man, like it's just pure. And, yeah. uh, and I, I just, I, I thank you for saying that. Cause like, it's just really enlightening that it's a way a child prays. It's probably the most realistic to way that we, we probably should talk to God. Yeah. And I read a statistic that says that 55% of adults pray and 20% of those claim no like formal religious affiliation. In other words, they're not even involved in some local church, but yet they consider themselves spiritual and people that pray, right? Well, to whom or what are you praying and what does scripture say about this? Um, And I give a lot of examples from, you know, whether it's, you know, from the Bible clearly, but a lot of the Puritans and others, but you know, um, let me, let me read a couple of these, uh, to you. And I, I think it's, um, and then we'll talk about some of the, the obstacles to, you know, to prayer. Um, but I think, I think when we, we have to think about who is it that's calling us to pray? Scripture says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Mm-hmm. You know, from James, you know, Psalm 55, 22, cast your burdens on, on him and he'll sustain, on the Lord and he'll sustain you. But then Paul in Philippians says to pray without ceasing. Don't be anxious about anything, but by all things with, you know, thanksgiving, pray without ceasing. Well, what does that look like? Well, yeah. think about the one you're closest to in your life and me, it's my spouse. Well, we, we talk all day throughout the day. Yeah. You know, I'll be five minutes from home around the corner and I'm texting her a call or whatever. And it's like, I just want to communicate with her. And I think with prayer, sure, we need, and it's important to have these set times of prayer before the meal, before bed or whatever, but it should be that continuous conversation throughout the day. Charles Spurgeon once said, it should be the duty of every person to seek the face of God every morning before the seeking the face of anyone else. Mm. So before your feet hit the ground, if it's just a simple God, thank you for the sleep. Thank you for my health. Thank you that this is the day you've made. I should rejoice in it. Let me honor you with, by what I say and do today. If it's that simple and that's where you start, I think the key with prayer is to get started. Yeah. And for me, I learned how to pray, honestly, by just being around people who, who were people of prayer. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And all the men and women of God that we want to emulate and that God did these extraordinary things through these ordinary people, they were just being obedient. Yeah. And prayer was a huge part of that. Right. Yeah. And um, I once had uh, a seminary professor say to me, do you think it's more important for God to hear from you or for you to hear from God? And I thought it was a trick question and it wasn't. Hmm. But his suggestion was, sure, pray before you open the word of God. Ask for God to reveal himself to you through the spirit and the power of, you know, his word. But sometimes we don't know what to pray and our mind wanders and we get distracted. But what I have found to his point is when you meet God in his word, in other words, Read a psalm, meditate on a psalm. The full range of human emotions is found in the psalms. The character of God, the attributes of God, who we are in relation to God. You can pray part of a psalm. Real simple, you could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord's the shepherd. That means he's in control. That means I'm a sheep. I'm stupid. I'm needy. I need help. Uh, And but you just, you let it resonate in your mind and all of a sudden it starts to transform Mm -hmm. and then you have something to say to God because God spoke to you first through prayer and this conversation just continues that's why it's so important to memorize scripture right yeah the Holy Spirit brings it to mind when we need it most and how many times have you quoted something to someone in need or a child or someone in the youth that you work with and you're going I don't even know where that is but I know it yeah. Because it's yeah. sharper than any two-edged sword. It doesn't yeah. return void. I mean, it's just there. It's the power of God, you know, working through 
um, the scriptures, the, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Obviously, if the disciples had trouble knowing how to pray and they came to Jesus and said, will you teach us to pray and how do we do it? And then, you, and then, and then he did, right, with the yeah. Lord's Prayer. And um, let me give you this. Uh, Thomas Brooks, it's a Puritan quote here, says, God cares not at the eloquence of your prayers to see how neat they are, nor at the geometry of your prayers to see how long they are, nor at the arithmetic of your prayers to see how many they are, nor at the music of your prayers, nor at the sweetness of your voice, nor at the logic of your prayers, but at the sincerity of your prayers. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to our kids, right? And it's just from the heart. And I think that, you know, God's big enough. He can take it. God knows what we want and need before we ask. And if we're ticked off about something or frustrated, he can take it. He knows how we feel. I love it with Job, you know, and others that were complaining, going, why, God, this, whatever. And God listens. And then God's like, well, let me tell you this in that. And I think sometimes, um, you know what, we can fool other people. And we Mm -hmm. often do. And we smile. And it's all kind. But God knows our heart. And God knows, man, you're hurting. Mm -hmm. You need me. There's some unconfessed sin, whatever. Um, you know, there was a guy, I told you this story too at lunch today, but I got a phone call from a guy I hadn't talked to in years and he grew up Catholic and he called and he said, I know I hadn't talked to you. I've been driving around. I looked for, I went to two, two churches. I'm trying to find a priest and I couldn't. And I remembered you as a chaplain and I called you and he wanted to confess his sins to me. And he did. And I listened as a brother and I said, well, look, I'm here for you and I'm going to listen to you and youth pastor. You're going to listen to youth, whatever. I was like, but you know what? Jesus Christ is our high priest. Yeah. He's the mediator. Yeah. There's no, there isn't a curtain or something that's got to come between us and God or whatever, even though God has set apart priests and ministers yeah. for that task and whatever. we, You and I, everyone, the little kid, that guy the other day, can go straight to God the Father through Christ the Son by the power of the Spirit, the Holy Trinity, the triune God. And we need to learn about that and understand what that looks like because isn't that beautiful that the we have the ear of Almighty God the creator and sustainer of the universe at any moment, and he wants to hear from us. Yeah, yeah. But we have these obstacles, and the biggest one for us is sin. Yeah. Right? Because we feel we're unworthy or we screwed up too much. And that guy wanted to talk to me mm-hmm. because he could talk to me, but he didn't feel like he was worthy to approach God. Yeah. He, but he thought I was. Yeah. And I said, bro, I'm a sinner just like you, saved by grace. And you've got to realize that. And then it kind of like the light came on, and you realize. And the next day the guy told me, he said, you know, I read this chapter on prayer twice. Yeah. And he said, I'm actually praying and talking to God. That's yeah. awesome. Amen. And I was like, amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Man. Well, um, Todd, it's a... Uh, let, let me ask yeah, this. Yeah. So, Todd, um, to kind of summarize, mm-hmm. um, you know, if there was something, maybe it's from your book, maybe it's not, that you would just want to say to our audience who are, you know, generally 15 to 25 years old, yeah. What 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 is it that you are trying to communicate to young people that, you know, you maybe did or did not communicate before you leave for college, career, and eternity? Real simple answer, and it's not a yeah. Sunday school answer, but y- your existence, the reason why you're here mm. is Jesus Christ. Mm. Jesus Christ is the reason for the scriptures. It bears witness to him. You yeah. get to know him through the scriptures. You talk and communicate with God through prayer, through it with other believers. We're the body of Christ. So whatever God calls you to do is whatever school you're going to go to, whatever vocation you may go into, whatever it may be, that'll be your ministry. You're a missionary right now where you are. It's not coincidental of the class you're in, the school you're in, the neighborhood you live in, the family you live with, even though it might be hard to deal with some of these people or whatever. But God really does have a plan for your life. And you're going to find out what that is when you seek wise counsel through the word of God 
and through prayer and just to know that when you realize that God not only created you in his image, but he cherishes you, when you understand that, that there's not anything you could do to make God love you any more or less than he always has, that his grace covers all of our sin and it's sufficient and it's new every day. When we live in that, there's power in prayer and in God's word. And God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people, and he really does have a plan for your life. And so I would say, ask the questions. It's okay to have doubt. We all struggle with it. C.S. Lewis once said that you can't truly wholeheartedly believe anything with all your heart unless you first doubted it. Mm -hmm. So if you're involved in your youth group, if you're the son or daughter of a minister or someone where you think they might think less of you because you have a question or doubt, I would say they're going to think more of you because you had and expressed the question or the doubt. So if you're working with young people, parents, youth leaders, small group leaders, be that person that expresses the fact often that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Because none of us are okay. None of us will ever be as we should be. But our goal as Christians is to become more like Christ and be holy because he's holy, and he's called us to that too. Mm -hmm. So we find that in the, in the Word. So that was a long-winded answer. Um, but just know that it's, it is about grace and it's not about what you can do, but it's what Christ has done. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much, Todd, for coming on and yeah. being on our podcast. Uh, Ryan, even though he, uh, couldn't be here, I would be really glad that you were here. I'll meet you so, one day, Ryan. Yeah. I'm coming yeah. back. He's coming back. Oh, <laughs> uh, but Adam, thank you for being on the podcast oh, again yeah, with us. Fun. Uh, but with that, uh, come join us for Lead Defend 2021. We'd love to have you register to be a part of that event with us. And if you would, go out and pick up one of Todd Van Helm's books before you leave for college, career, and eternity. Whether or not you've actually started college, some of you are in college. Listen, you're not in eternity yet. Or uh, maybe you haven't started a career yet, but check out this book. It's, it's really diving into things that you probably have not thought about or looked at, and, uh, and you should. So. It's on Amazon, okay? It's uh, it's on Amazon. So jump on Amazon and pick up one of those books. But with that, we'll see you next time on Lead Defend Podcast. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend conference or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend at absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention.